Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations, those shows that we're just desperate to talk to somebody about. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, great to see you, as always. What are we talking about this week? Hi, John. We've got a new Swedish comedy called Lust, an eight-part comedy series that I cannot wait to talk about with you. And we've got a film called Moonshot about two young people going to the moon in a time not so far away and our dinner party recommendation. Awesome. Well, before we head to space, let's head to Sweden for Lost. I love sex. When do I have sex? Talk about it for me. What do you sex, though? Does better sex lead to better health? That's one of the many questions posed in the new Swedish language comedy Lost that comes to us from HBO Max. Following the erotic misadventures of four women in their 40s, it's a lighthearted but poignant series bound to receive some inevitable comparisons to sex in the city. Ali, what did you think of this one? John, I really like this show. I really, really like Lust. There's eight episodes. I've watched them all. And I think it's a really fresh take on a female point of view on sexuality. And as we've talked about in other shows like Sex in the City, but even Love Me, showing sexuality and love at all ages. And this is a story about women in their middle age, which is effectively, I think, age 40 to 65 or 45 to 65. Which they, they debate themselves in the show of what, what is middle age. What is middle age, yeah. But it's sh- it's talking and showing about how kind of sex changes, but desire and motivations and the reality of love and sex in a busy life why people kind of feel the way they do so I think it was really it's really really interesting but it's funny so it's a really good way in to have quite a serious look at what a lot of the audience's point of view might be yeah I did think tonally it was really interesting because there are there are like almost sitcom level hijinks at times where you're like oh like this is there's real humor in this show they're actively going for laughs but then having incredibly serious storylines at at the same time. I did think it was an interesting balance. And, you know, I think the Swedes have managed to pull it off. And also it is, as you said, that half hour format. So the apps are really quick. You can get through these eight episodes, you know, in a a weekend. It's a real roller coaster of tone at times because they are dealing with fidelity and sexuality and porn and like pleasure and all these other things. And then also, you know, gags about dildos and things. Yeah. And I think because it's a 30 minutes, it could have easily have been like 40, 45 minute episodes, but there's a um, efficiency and a discipline that comes with, I think, getting that 30 minute episode because you kind of have to, and I think that's where the comedy helps kind of really get you to the point of the story, but allow you to yeah, to kind of go with it because it's got that dark and lightness to it. And the comedy kind of helps you get into the topic quite quickly and quite deeply. But the thing I found about this after eight episodes, I was really attached to the characters. They bedded down really quickly, like who the friends were, because they're a group of friends that have known each other for a long, long time. Two of the four women in the kind of core friendship group are sisters and then two other kind of friends, all doing quite different jobs and had different levels of kind of success and corporate success. But two of them are mothers, two of them aren't three of them are kind of at various levels of coupledom, one of them single, kind of felt like I got to know them and you were dropped into their world 
and they were really authentic and relatable really quickly, which also I think allowed me to go with the story quite quickly. But it starts off with um, one of the characters, Annette. She works for kind of like the equivalent of um, the health department and the male health minister has decided that they should investigate I think, as you said in the intro, the role of healthy sex life on other elements of your mental and and physical health. So they kind of embark on a survey, a national sex survey of the women of Sweden. And one of the characters is kind of is the leading researcher on that. So that's kind of the way into why are we having um, such a frank conversation about sex? And it starts with you sitting in on some of the interviews with some kind of general public. But then each of the four characters is themselves having a very different experience with with sex, aren't they, in terms of their relationships and personal lives? Yeah, I do think the public health research framing device is really interesting because you are able to have these moments where Annette, this researcher, is having like very frank conversations with people almost doing like vox pops about their about their sex lives um, and then intercutting with the other characters. But yeah, as you said, Annette is a, the public health researcher. There's Nadia, who's an ad executive. Ellen is the only single the only single member of the group um, and also sells cars. Is that Was that what I was gathering from her job? Yeah. And then uh, there's Martina, who is Annette's sister, who is dealing with her own own relationship issues, also writing a book and all other things. But yeah, like you said, you just immediately jump into this world and you get to know these characters like you're in their world. And I think what's different to something like Sex and the City or Euphoria is there's something sort of sweet about Stockholm. (laughs) Obviously, we're outsiders looking in, but there is something sort of just sweet about the setting that I think helps. Like they're not Obviously, Stockholm's a big city, but it's not like they're in the middle of New York living in apartments and stuff. Mm. Yeah, you're right. But it's very relatable because it's not like, oh, now let's have this like shocking conversation set up for Carrie's podcast about, you know, masturbation. It's just the way you would imagine having a conversation like this with your girlfriends. Like sometimes, yeah, it can feel a little bit constructed, but it didn't feel like that to me. Like it felt really like I was laughing out loud. Like so many times. I just thought this was hilarious. I really recommend this show. I think there'll be so many people that watch this and be intrigued. In the first episode, they're showing some of the um, interviews in the you know national sex survey. And there's one woman who says, you know, she starts off by saying sex is everything, food, happiness, sex, it's quarter life. What else is there in life if you don't have sex? And the next woman's like, I have three children. I work full time. I get home at the end of the day and I want to like collapse on the couch and have a glass of wine. I don't want to be touched by my husband. I kind of want to go to sleep and never wake up. Like, and you go straight to like three or four different women's perspective on living a busy life or, you know, yearning for something or also feeling how they've moved and shifted. Like they kind of still want something, but the reality isn't there in their relationships and stuff. So I hope people have a giggle, but they'll be able to um, relate to at least one of the characters' point of views because it does show really different views on on how sex is playing out in these people's lives. It's not just everyone going through the same thing. I think it's probably kind of a fair comment because there's no judgment either. It's kind of like quite honest and how you might find if you'd ever sat around a dinner table and had these kind of conversations with your girlfriends, which I don't know if you've had, John, but I certainly have. <laughs> I was going to say it's still kind of depressing that a show about women in their 40s is still like, unique even and just like that had all these conversations about how rare it is to see women in their 50s but yeah even 40s which is not old and depending on your definition I would also maybe call not middle age like it's still rare that there aren't that many of these shows around isn't that true and the show um, I was doing a bit of reading up about where it came from and one of the actresses in the show had the idea and the four actors all talked about their experiences in the writer's room and really contributed it to the stories and the kind of genesis was 
we're actresses and we're not doing a lot of scenes anymore or getting able to work on shows where our sexuality um, is kind of a significant part of the plot. Why is that? And so the response was, let's make the show then because if we don't make it, no one else is making it. But to your point, it shouldn't be unique. (laughs) Women in their 40s aren't aren't like a niche group of people. (laughs) Yeah, no. Hello, (laughs) listeners. Hello, viewers. It's um, a big slice. I think you're right, though, about Sweden. The city, Stockholm looks wonderful, the way it's shot. It's just, you know, I didn't feel like I was watching something in a foreign language either. We had subtitles or you can listen to it dubbed, I think, as well. I watched it with the subtitles. But, yeah, you're straight away in the world. I love watching things with subtitles because you can't be on your phone. So I find I'm much more engaged in the show because I'm watching the screen to be what following the subtitles. Maybe that's why I was I got into the characters and the friendships so quickly because you really um, you're absorbed quite quickly in but. I galloped through this. I really, really enjoyed it. I just, as I'm watching it, I was like, who's going to adapt it first? Here comes the English language version. Coming soon. (laughs) HBO Max Canada or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, as you mentioned, can watch with uh, subtitles or if you want, you can, um, you know, scroll across the screen and watch it with English dubbing. I don't think people know. We've got a really deep catalogue of international dramas from around the world on Binge. There's a carousel of them in the in the TV show section. And of course, Lust is the most recent of them, but we've we've talked about Beartown and Kamikaze and dozens of shows not in English for you to explore if that's a genre that you're interested in. Isn't that a good point? Because there's so many, like, as we say, the world's best shows on Binge, and we're always talking about these big, shiny noisy shows that there's this massive collection of other things on the platform that don't always get their same time in the sun but for me hopefully once you want watch last you'll start to get lots of different recommendations that come through as well but it's not heavy or dark it's really contemporary and funny and I really really recommend it for those that do like foreign language and and Swedish shows especially some kind of quite familiar Swedish actresses. Sophia Heelan, as you say, who plays the lead character of Annette. Lots of our listeners and viewers of Binge might know from The Bridge, but a couple of other kind of familiar Swedish faces for me as I was watching it. John, you were saying before about having the dub version as well. I have watched it with the subtitles. Do you have to choose that as the option? What does it come up with as the standard, the subtitles? To keep to the authenticity of the show, our default is always to have the subtitles on for you so you can see the show as it was originally created. But of course we know for any number of reasons, people may want to choose to watch these shows with English dubbing. Um, So of course, where possible, we do offer that. And that's just something you can turn on in the settings. Awesome. So the complete first season of Lust is streaming for you now. That's eight half hour episodes, although no official word yet. We do know that they're obviously hoping for more seasons. So get amongst it and hopefully we'll be able to have more Lust in our futures. We all need a bit of Lust, John. Go for it. (laughs) Didn't mean for that to sound dirty, but here we are. Well, from women in their 40s to college-age kids. <laughs> I don't know how to transition between these two. But love on planet Earth to love in the sky. Yeah. Moonshot. <laughs> we had a plan, and then he got his Martian dream job. So I enrolled in the Mars program. You ever worry that the wrong person is headed to the wrong planet? Goodbye forever, Walt. The young adult rom-com gets a sci-fi twist in the new film Moonshot. Starring staples of the genre Lana Condor and Cole Sprouse, we follow the two unlikely lovebirds on a trip to Mars in this decidedly futuristic story set in 2049 that still manages to hit all the classic romantic comedy beats. It's a classic rom-com, right? It really is, yeah. Boy meets girl, do they, don't they? 
an interruption to the love, you know, pairing or an unlikely pairing. Girl goes to Mars. Girl goes to Mars. They're all chasing lovers that are already on Mars. It's quite funny, isn't it? But to your point, did not feel at all like sci-fi. This could have been set in high school. You were in a world that scarily does not feel that far away. (laughs) 2049 and us getting literally sitting into your plane seats like you're getting onto a flight to London, but you're going, we think it was a 35 day flight to Mars and it all just seemed completely likely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel like you had to be transported into a different universe to follow this love story at all, did it? No, I did think the aesthetic of it, which is like, it's visually very interesting because obviously it's 2049 and they're going to Mars and they're on spaceships and all that kind of stuff. But it almost felt like a 1990s version of like 2020 yeah, you know the the like big clunky robots making coffee and like it's it's not trying to be like oh this is what the world will definitely look like in 2049. It's kind of this like popcorn version of the future, which I think plays into like the tone and the cast and the story really. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that it's like this isn't trying to be Star Trek or The Orville or something. This is just trying to be like 90 minutes of fun. Space is really fun. Nothing to be scared of here. Like you could yeah. totally feel like you were in a an airport it didn't feel like you were up in the world I did think one of the lines that got a chuckle out of me was that like you got complimentary gravity when (laughs) when you arrived on the spaceship and I'm like you know that once we're in space tourism as a thing you'll definitely like have to pay extra for gravity (laughs) so true (laughs) but we've not discussed the cast yes okay Um, you're very important Cole Sprouse plays Walt who we all know from Riverdale but whom I think um people will also know from the sort of extended universe of the sweet life of Zach and Cody Mm -hmm. and then Lana Condor plays Sophie who you'd have to be living under a rock to not know from to all the boys I've loved before and the sequels that came out of that so I don't think there are like two sort of buzzier young adult actors working at the moment that they've managed to get to make a rom-com together in space so yeah it's a brilliant cast. Zach Braff kind of plays the Elon Musk leader of the spaceship and and you know journey to Mars in that totally I'm so like low-key trust me but like maybe you're really creepy and I'm scared of you way um really really well and I think he just brings a really cool balance as well to the cast and a few other familiar faces littered through there as well I noticed that Lucas Gage I think it is some of us might recognize him from White Lotus and Euphoria and a couple of other supporting characters but yeah really easy to watch hour and a half great great weekend movie although tonally could not be more different from an earlier film we discussed on the podcast The Fallout much like The Fallout these films are you know targeted at a slightly younger audience by which I don't mean children but I just mean young adults and yeah both the fallout and now moonshot have done really well for binge in the limited time they've been up so yeah excited to see people discover this yeah and this one hasn't gone to cinemas it's come straight to binge which is great to see Um, and I think with that cast and so many people that love both Lana and Cole there's a reason there that this has gone straight up the most watched thing on binge since it's launched yeah so if if you're done watching or re-watching Euphoria please uh, check out moonshot which is streaming now on binge cool are you going to sign up to go to space to mars yes i've already booked in (laughs) i think it was like a million dollars you had to kind of go through what looked like the ultimate kind of job process to be able to go and work up there as a scientist or someone for free or you think you could pay a million dollars to go on a commercial kind of private citizen ticket wasn't it so i'm sure that will be maybe within our lifetime who knows yeah at at this point i would just love to like leave the state (laughs) (laughs) we'll head to space one day yeah It doesn't matter how far you travel. You can never escape yourself. Did you just come up with that? No, bitch. That is a very common phrase. John, dinner party recommendations. 
I spent last week up at Scream Forever, which is um, a producer conference that was held up at the Gold Coast. First time everyone's kind of got together for a few years because of COVID. And it was really cool to catch up with lots of colleagues from around the industry, everyone buzzing and talking about shows. So I did have lots of opportunities to have dinner party recommendations with people and humans. But tell me this week, what are your tips for what to watch on Binge? Well, once again, I am recommending something that's brand new to Binge because there's only so much time in the podcast. I am desperate for everyone to check out a new stand-up special which has just gone up on Binge called Rathaniel. I've been trying to be very honest because my whole life was shrouded in secrets and figured the only route I haven't tried was the truth. So I'm saying everything. Here's everything. Feel okay? Very thankful for tonight. John, I've been hearing lots about this. Go on, tell us about it. So this is a stand-up special by Gerard Carmichael, who we have a number of other specials. He's um, a bit of an HBO comedy special staple, but this is his latest. It is directed by Bo Burnham. Comedy fans will be incredibly familiar with. His latest special was the birth of a, a million memes and TikTok sounds. So yeah, two powerhouse comedians have come together to make this incredibly intimate stand-up special. Carmichael basically spends the whole time just sitting on a folding chair in the middle of this jazz club. It's <laughs> not a it's not a big sweeping auditorium. It's incredibly intimate. Like the audience interrupts him with questions and like little comments and comebacks throughout it. You really feel like you're in this um, small space and this isn't a spoiler because it's the main reason people are talking about this show this week the show deals with secrets and lies and his family and his background and I guess the big reveal in this special is that he comes out as gay sort of officially publicly comes out as gay through this comedy special and yeah it is there's just something very very powerful about watching something uh, watching somebody sort of reveal a part of themselves like this especially in this sort of way, like, mm. you know, very carefully, but also, yeah, it's just, it's just such an intimate thing to do. So publicly. And, you know, surrounded by an audience and, you know, talking about like coming out is kind of the central part of it, but, you know, he talks about his family background and his relationships with his friends and parents and it's a comedy special. There are laughs, don't get me wrong, this is funny, but yeah, it's incredibly intimate, incredibly revealing. And you can see the like the emotion within him mm. that um, he's going through because I imagine as much as he rehearsed and wrote this, you can really see how big a deal it was for him. And it just makes for a really, really compelling sort of power of television. John, so interesting. Is it, It's quite a large studio audience with him. How do they respond? Because I assume a lot of that would come down to in the room in that moment, obviously, his emotions and, and and how he's dealing with it but without giving it all away like what's the reaction from the, from the, the, the reaction's audience? great and at one point he even says like oh, I needed this like I needed the love from you the reaction he gets you can see him like processing what he's saying as he's saying us yeah. he, he does make a very funny throwaway line just after he says that he's gay he's like so many people just turned off just turned the channel <laughs> like he's like people didn't think they were signing up to watch this but yeah and I think that's kind of like part of the fun journey that you go on and watching this is you go into this thinking it's a stand-up special and it's so much more than that. So do you think it was planned for him to do this during it or how does it come up during the special? 
is kind of the special leading to it or does it? Well, yeah, it, he talks about how, you know, there's a lot of secrets in his family. There's lots of step siblings that he doesn't know about because of his parents' affairs and, you know, just that his whole life has been about secrets and lies and hiding things. And he basically just says like, you know, there's something that I'm hiding and I don't want to anymore and that's that I'm gay. Yeah, wow. And then it leads him off on, you know, another part of the story. But yeah, it's really powerful and it's really interesting to see it done through the medium of a stand-up special. It's one thing to see a a character on a scripted show come out like that can be equally powerful it's one thing for someone in an interview to reveal something really personal about themselves Mm. but yeah there's something about this like beautifully produced beautifully filmed intimate comedy special where you see this man come out to the world so yeah it's really well done yeah what a great recommendation and how's it been received it's been really well reviewed just as a comedy special which is still the reason you should watch it it's a great comedy special but obviously just this added layer makes it so unique and special and gerard also is hosting snl this week which i think will be equally interesting obviously perfectly planned off the back of the comedy special so yeah watch the comedy special and then um watch him hosting snl this week on binge yeah awesome thanks john great tip i've got a drama, I think, or dramedy. I'm not sure what genre we kind of officially put it in. And it is for a series that came out at the very end of 2020, kind of um, just before Christmas 2020. And it is called The Flight Attendant. And season one, all eight episodes are currently on binge. And my reason for this shout out at the moment is we're getting ready for season two, which comes to us later in April after Easter. I think April 21st it drops. And this is a drama from Kaylee Kuko, um, who some of you will know as Penny from The Big Bang Theory. And it was her first major move after, you know, many, many seasons on The Big Bang Theory and when that wrapped. But she's also the executive producer of this. So she optioned this. It was actually based on a book. She optioned the book many years ago and kind of really was the driving force to get this series made and really, you know, considered amongst the industry as, as a kind of breakout hit in HBO Max's first year that kind of really set the tone of and their ambition for the kind of things that they wanted to produce. So this is a crime series. So for those that like a crime show, this will be for you potentially, but it has kind of quite a quirky tone. It's got some really funky opening credits that are almost Mad Men-esque in their approach. And it's the story of Kaylee who is an international flight attendant for an American airline and she flies all around the world as a flight attendant and she looks after first-class passengers. So at the pointy end of the plane and during a stopover in Bangkok, something goes wrong. So she has started a friendship or a liaison with one of her customers who's flying in the first-class cabin that she meets on the plane and then they go out for dinner in, in Bangkok and then things take a slight turn for the worse. So you find yourself as an American in a foreign country Uh, with a crime unfolding and in her kind of disarming, just kind of keeping her life together, but almost a bit of a mess. Um, She's an alcoholic and I would say she's a functioning alcoholic, barely functioning alcoholic. Even before this thing went wrong, she was just pulling things together and, you know, always just sliding in last minute to kind of keep, I suppose, the level of of her problem somewhat hidden. But really cool cast. You've got T.R. Knight, um, as some of you will remember from Grey's Anatomy, plays her brother. Josha Mamet, who I love from Girls, is her best friend. She's a lawyer, punchy, hard-hitting, grounded practical friend who's clearly been putting up with Kaylee's character's failings for a long time. Um, He's in a great role in this series. And Rosie Perez plays um, one of her colleagues and one of the other flight attendants. So some really familiar faces and really quality people that balance out Kaylee. But I think for those that know her in such a comedic sitcom way, she there's still some humor and a really different 
way into this, but I think she really steps out into a new into a new role and a, and a new character and very much leaves Penny behind. When you start watching something with someone so famous, you wonder if that's how you'll always see them. But I found, yeah, after this first episode, she was yeah really fresh and, and really different way in. What do you think, John? Yeah, I loved it. It was actually one of the first things I watched on Binge. It was probably before you'd started, was it? It was. It didn't work at Binge when I watched it. Yeah, no, it's excellent. I've never watched a lot of The Big Bang Theory, but she's brilliant in this. And I think I'm right in saying she was never nominated while she did The Big Bang Theory and then got nominated for Emmys for Flight Attendant. Like, you can really see that she's spreading her wings with this. Yeah, and I think it got nominated as a comedy or a dramedy. So, like, it's still in that, it's got that bent, but it is in a crime I wouldn't say thriller, but like in that crime universe. So again, it's not like super scary, but it's interesting and surprising where it takes you as well. So it's not a straightforward what happened to this man. And it is like, it is that perfect bingey thing of cliffhanger after cliffhanger, which just makes you want to burn through it all, but also like just makes it so compelling. John, I really think when the second season drops on April 21st, that this is going to be a really talked about show. And there's a lot of great television out in the month of April. It's almost um, exasperating to see all the awesome shows that are out, but I think Flight Attendant Season 2 will punch through. So if you are one of the ones that haven't seen Season 1 or haven't given it a shot, really, really recommend it because I think lots of people will be talking about it in a couple of weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for flying with us. dinner in Bangkok. We went back to his hotel. There's no escape. I can't Dangerous. I'm loving it. When I woke up in the morning, he was so alive. I think they know you're lying. This week on Skip Intro, we were chatting about the new Swedish comedy Lost, the new film Moonshot, uh, Gerard Carmichael's latest stand-up special, Rathaniel, um, and Ali reminded us all to check out season one of The Flight Attendant in preparation for season two um, later in April. Um, all of these shows are streaming for you now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. My name is John Bohm, um, joined every week by Ali. Um, thank you for listening. Um, and if you have a chance, please uh, leave, it, leave us some stars and some feedback on your podcast app of choice. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with some more suggestions of things for you to check out on Binge. <laughs> <laughs>